Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monticelli, the host of this podcast, Let's Talk Soul. Over the years, after having interviewed so many people on so many different topics, I realized that what interested my audience wasn't really the individual topics per se, but was how it impacted them, how it touched their soul. So I'll invite you all to lay back, put your feet up, and if you like what you hear, leave a review, five-star review. I'd appreciate that. So just enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. Here we have an episode. My guest is speaking to us from Colorado. Harmony Quiker, say hello to our audience. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Good, it's a pleasure. I can't wait to start firing away questions and getting to know you a little better. Harmony Quiker is a psychotherapist, um, an author, and professor at Naropa University, where she te- Naropa University is in Colorado. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, where she teaches transpersonal counseling. Well, we could lead with that. She's also the founder of the Institute for Spiritual Alignment. Uh, where she trains practitioners to bridge the divide between traditional and spiritual transformation. And in, uh, let's see, in her first book, that's called Reveal Everybody, uh, Embody Everybody, I put the two, three words together, Reveal, Embody the True Self Beyond Trauma and Conditioning. Harmony does what most experts rarely do. She vulnerably shares her story of transformation while simultaneously empowering readers to discover their truest selves. Her new book, that's book number two, (laughs) Align, Living and Loving from the True Self, is also now available. And I'll list her social media and her website um, sites um, on this episode description. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. So first of all, you're in Colorado. Have you always been in Colorado or did you migrate? I migrated from California. Ay, 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 ay. Okay. And are you happy about that movement? Yeah, I really love it here. Um, uh-huh. Colorado has a really grounded, embodied, healthy lifestyle that just really, um, there's just creates a lot of community and um, connection with nature and being in the rhythm with nature. Yeah. There's some um, Colorado is well, a lot of highs and lows, literally speaking, geographical highs <laughs> and lows. Um, but they also have a very varied, uh, how can I put it? Economic distribution. So we have uh, cities like golden, you know, that are, uh, more expensive than cities like, you know, I can't remember, but, but still there, if there's a little for everything, for everyone, which I like about uh, Colorado. Um, So let's see. Um, As I uh, read and, you know, introduced you, we had a lot of keywords. And the first thing that popped up is psychotherapists. Now, psychotherapists are um, literally people who um, well, you tell me, what kind of psychotherapist are you or have you become? Yeah, so I teach um, gestalt therapy. And so mm-hmm. for tell me, us a little bit about gestalt therapy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, psychotherapy is really about um, creating a space, a sacred space for somebody to rediscover how they leave themselves and how to come back home to themselves. Okay. Now, what is Gestalt theory? So you can, you know, illuminate our listeners. Yeah, Gestalt theory was um, created in the 1930s by Fritz Perls and mm-hmm. his wife, Laura Perls. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's often not credited enough. And I think that she can. <laughs> she's a woman. A she's a <laughs> woman. Yeah. And um, Gestalt is really based on the principle of present moment. So it's yeah. the first, the first um, school of psychotherapy and psychology that really honored the present moment as being important and valuable and um, and where relationship happens. And so in Gestalt therapy, we honor what's called the I-thou of the relationship, which is a term that was coined by Martin Buber, a philosopher in the, um, yeah. in the 1920s. Really. Listen, I'm going to stop you because I'm vaguely going into the meanderings of my uh, studies. And am I correct in, in saying that Gestalt theory has something to do with functionality or or fun- the function of things, or is that incorrect? Well, you're pointing to something that Gestalt talks about, and that uh, is that is the the way that we humans interrupt our functionality is by working out unresolved business from the past in the mm-hmm, present moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, by the nature of psychotherapy with a Gestalt clinician, we come into the present moment and we become highly attuned to the way people disrupt their presence. Uh-huh, the- uh-huh. Okay, so then we um, we did mention that you work as a, a professor at Naropa University and you teach transpersonal counseling. So shoot, you've got the floor again. What is that? <laughs> trans, everything's trans. And when I started to read it, I went, oh no, we're not going to we're not going to go there, but it's transpersonal. So come on, shoot. <laughs> transpersonal honors states of consciousness beyond the ordinary. And so mm, we need a, an example. Yeah. So most people walk around identified with their ordinary mind, their ordinary uh-huh. thinking. Yeah. And many of us have natural, naturally occurring experiences of the transpersonal where we yeah. can sense into um to energies and experiences beyond the the normal, like seen, lived. Mm. Okay, experience. wait, you're not convincing me yet because mm-hmm. I think I might need my, you know, uh, St. Uh, Thomas uh, mind needs something a little more tangible for me to get my teeth in. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me an example of a person who comes for transpersonal counseling or a person who you exercise transpersonal counseling with what is their situation like what do they present as yeah so anybody can access the transpersonal but a transpersonal psychotherapist or counselor will hold space in such a way where spontaneous expressions Mm -hmm. of their true nature will emerge so anybody who comes to counseling is typically coming because they are suffering in some way, whether some it's way. relationships, mm-hmm. um, maybe they don't know how to regulate their nervous system, maybe they're looping. In I thought. love the way you say that. They don't know how to regulate their nervous system, <laughs> which is such an elegant way to, to say the person's going out of their mind. Okay, good for you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> <Cuckoo. And> so, <laughs> yes. 
there's so there's so many reasons that somebody comes to seek the support of, yep. of any counselor, but specifically a transpersonal counselor will see the way in which a person is hyper identified with yeah. their ordinary state. Okay. Okay. And, now, yeah. Go on. And what would typically how I don't want to get into the you know nitty gritty of what you do, but um, is there an exercise that you do with them? Is there some kind of a a task you give them what do you do with them uh, if you don't mind me asking if it's not too you know detailed or personal yeah the the most um sort of well-known gestalt approach which transpersonal gestalt is is what i teach yeah um, it's called the two chair and a lot of the different two like one and two Two chair. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Two chair. And a lot of different modalities have borrowed this technique, but it really uh -huh. originated with Fritz and Laura. And um, what would happen is somebody would come in saying, like, I um I want I want to feel more empowered in life. Okay. Okay. But I but I keep avoiding and putting off my responsibilities. Okay. So that would be just something. That's the that's issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I see that as a polarity. So oh. somebody has a desire for responsibility and that's yeah. polarized against avoidance. Okay. And so we use that polarity in a two chair. So one is one polarity is in one chair and the other's in the other chair. Mm -hmm. And go on. We slow down enough to actually separate the energies. And this is where it starts to become transpersonal. So we're no longer identified with the personal. Uh-huh personality all right the, okay the ego identity uh -huh. and we're creating some separation and energetic movement uh -huh. and then these two aspects of themselves have a conversation okay they okay and they have a conversation but there's mm -hmm. you as a third party is that right okay yeah, yeah, so you're yeah. a facilitator of this two-chair conversation mm -hmm. um okay I'll, I'll buy that for now <laughs> but that won't be enough it's not enough <laughs> all right so so now uh what i'm leading toward well let me get another in italian we say another little rock out of my a little pebble out of my shoe um the founder of the institute for a spiritual alignment and spiritual alignment i work with soul realignment uh, that's my you know i'm a soul therapist and so when i see spiritual alignment it says a message, gives me a message, and it talks about realigning yourself with divinity or your divine source in, in my mind. Is that the same page that you're on or no? It is. I mean, and we all have, I think, different language for that. So for mm -hmm. me, I I see it more on really the subtle energy level of uh -huh. realigning with the source of our vitality, the source that beats right. our heart. Good. Okay, good. Because when a person is is in a polarity, when they're clinging right. to a part of themselves and they're disowning yeah. a different part mm -hmm. of themselves, they're off balance from their alignment. They're not yeah. congruent with the right. truth of who they are. Okay. And so by beginning to create separation and differentiation mm -hmm. from the patterns, yes. we start to move into a higher consciousness. Okay. Now, n not everything is polarity. I mean, not everything can be described as one and two or two chairs. We know that, correct? And it's convenient to work with if you're dealing with a person who wants something can can't get there. That's a very that's I would say that's ninety percent of the cases that I see. Uh, anyway, um, is it your experience? Is that your experience that most people can have 
or or can uh, this application of two chairs or sim similarity the 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 philosophy of the polarity can be applied to them is that your your experience yeah i'm i'm not sure i'm fully understanding the question okay okay yeah. Um, so I asked you for an example and you said, okay, so let's say that a person yeah. comes to me and uh, they want to become empowered, but they don't, they shirk their responsibilities. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because power uh, with power comes responsibility. Huh? Mm -hmm. So uh, you, it, you have separated that into two chairs, a polarity system. There's the responsibility, there's the empowerment and there's a shirking responsibilities, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm trying to see if I could apply that reasoning to a, a slew of other cases or issues that people have. And I'm wondering if um, in your experience, your clients and their issues come under, fall under this um, umbrella of polarity or have you, you know, because I have my experiences that yes, there are, the majority are polarity. This is black, this is white. I can, you know, I don't do this, but I want that. But there are so, so many other cases, not so many, let's say 10%, I'd say 15% of the people who come to me who are, I mean, we need a lot of chairs in the room for that, you know? And so there are a lot of gray areas. There's not, you know, there's, there are many poles here. And I'm wondering if your, if your experience also has um, seen that. Yeah, I mean, I was also trained in psychosynthesis, which I know comes from an Italian psychologist, and there are many chairs. In the, the name? The name? I can't oh, remember the name. Of many <laughs> that's that's what there. happens every time they talk of an Italian, they forget the names. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it too. I can't remember the name. I'm very bad with names, but go on. Go yeah, on. Yeah. Um, but I think that that the point of how many chairs or if something is polarized against something else isn't really um, the focus. The focus is any aspect of a person that keeps them from a healthy, aware state, that keeps yeah. them from living in congruence with the truth of who they are. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Really, I, I think, requires attention and awake awareness uh -huh. in order to uh -huh. alchemize it. Yeah, so, well, there's this... Um... Um, this Instituto di uh, Psicosintesi, and it dates back to 1926. His name is Assagioli, Assagioli Roberto. Now, this is way back. I mean, this is the beginning, you know, of the, and there is an Italian Society for Psychosynthesis Psychotherapy. <gasps> it's a mouthful. So I'll just check that out. But um, now I'm, I sort of interrupt you. I'm interrupted you. I'm sorry, but I wanted to move to the area of, um, we'll talk about your books in the end, but the area of, um, we mentioned divinity, just a brief, I said it, I said the, the dirty word, but um, you have, um, one of the topics that you suggested to me when we initially made contact is integrating psychology and spirituality. And, and that is a it's like oil and water at times you know i didn't see them as uh you know bread and butter or, or uh, peanut butter and jelly you know this was something that i wouldn't naturally see together can you tell me a little bit about that and how did you get around to bringing that s word into the p word <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that question. Um, so for me, I didn't know how to integrate the two. I didn't have a guide or a mentor, but what I did have was um, the ability to see subtle energy, which I've had uh -huh. my whole life. All right. Now tell me, tell me that again and say it slow. The ability to? To see subtle energy. Subtle energy. Now, can you give me a definition yeah, so, so people so listen there's dense energy in the body that we can physically yes. see is yes. a dense energy. And then there's actually subtle energy that is measurable. Um, the vibration of the energy around the body. Mm -hmm. Heart math is one of the most well-known measuring um, techniques. Um, but when, when we see with our metaphysical eyes, we can actually see subtle energy. And the way that I describe it to people, because I believe all people can see subtle energy, mm -hmm is if you walk into um, a really seedy bar, like a yep. bar that like, is just kind of a lot of- Dark, dark, there. yeah, dark colors, even, dark everything. Uh -huh. Even if nobody's in there, you can see the residual of that dark, thick, mm -hmm. vaporous muck is how it sort of looks to me, mm -hmm. compared to if you walk into a retreat center where there's a lot of life urge experiences happening and a lot of healing and tending okay. to Okay, all right. Now, let's not badmouth the bars. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, 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 that's how I got myself through through university. <laughs> and they were dark. <laughs> but I understand it was only an, ex an example. <laughs> okay, so, so but... Basically, <laughs> like the dark and we like the shadow. Yeah. It's it's not it's not so um, shadowy, right? It's okay. a conscious choice. But, but I think most people can your... relate to being able to see to, okay. to, to see either with their eyes or in their felt sense, their experience in their body, the difference between the two. Okay. So, so as a psychotherapist, as a space holder, I'm attuning to any. Mm -hmm what I call emotional energy pollution, which is the okay. subtle energy blockages. Okay. Let's um, say uh, emotional energy pollution. I like that. I deep. like that. Mm, interesting. Deep is the acronym. Yeah. Mm. Deep? Deep. Eep. E-E-P? Emotional deep. energy yeah. pollution. Yeah. 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 I like that. It's not as scary as negative entities or something like that. <laughs> probably the same thing but i like that i like that um um there there's a lot so many things and i don't want to crisscross and cut you up but i'm going to back track a little bit this institute of spiritual alignment you know and i when i first um read that i thought to myself well i'm about to open up my a study a new study where i'm going to practice a certain um thing that i do and um one of the uh you know, you have to pay taxes, right? You have to pay taxes. You have to give yourself a name. You have to do all these things. And one of the things that I had to do was figure out how I wanted to organize myself. And um, I thought actually of organizing myself as an association, nonprofit organization, you know, where I wouldn't make money. I would just cover the expenses. I, I didn't want to make any money, right? And when I saw this Institute for Spiritual Alignment, I thought, hmm, now, what do you do to open an institute for spiritual alignment? Do you go to an accountant? Do you go to the local council? Do you go to the governor? What happens there? 
Well, I think there's a lot of steps before that, but I think you're talking just logistically about starting a school. Is that what you mean? Oh, no. Is this a school? Is it a school? It's, it's a training institute. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 So it's a training institute and, and it's a lot less um, encumber, cumbersome than, than a, a real university. So this is different. I expected it to be, you know, I didn't know that it was a training institute. You train practitioner of mm -hmm. practitioners, of course, uh, traditional and spiritual. So we're back to that idea, uh, psychology yeah. and spirituality, uh, spirituality. Um, but in the presentation, I also mentioned that you, through the sharing of your own experiences, you then help others with their experience. And so that's a lot of self, you know, talking about yourself and, um, and one of the obvious notions does touch on self-love and, and knowing yourself and your true self. So how do you broach the self? Because we know that word ego is such a has such a negative connotation. And the self is the self, the ego. What you know, what's the difference between the two? Mm -hmm. Where is myself? I mean, I can if I look and I look and I look, I can't find it, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the ego is so important and so valuable in helping yes. us to navigate the world. Yeah. Um, it's really when we are clinging to the misbeliefs and believing that we are our ego that we start to feel mm -hmm. really small and powerless yeah. and limited in who we are. Uh -huh. And so when I talk about the true self, I'm talking about that vital force moving through us spontaneously okay okay so without any managing or contorting or containing just really uh -huh. allowing the vital force to flow in alignment yeah. without the subtle energy blockages okay subtle energy of the, of the core of the being yeah the eeps uh-huh yes okay <laughs> yeah. i'm a fast learner <laughs> okay so so um now um you mentioned your healing journey. When did that begin to give us some context? Mm -hmm. So how many I, years ago? Let's say I grew up in a family of healers. So oh, I, how interesting. Yeah. So on I both sides up, of the family. On both sides. Yeah. My dad's a doctor of osteopath and he's mm -hmm. um, a pioneer in alternative healing and health and medicine since uh -huh. before I was born. Yeah. And my mom, she passed away about 15 years ago, but she was a breath worker and a coach. Oh, and she did many breath work trainings at my house and mm. fire walks when I was seven. Uh -huh. I started transcendental meditation when I was six. Mm. And I'm a very, dis I'm a Capricorn. I'm very disciplined. And so I <laughs> daily practice. Hard worker. <laughs> I'm a very hard worker. So yes. this, uh, the healing journey, did it happen at the death of your mother? I'm guessing after your mother died. Well, I mean, my, my healing journey has been lifelong. So I, ha okay. I have um, a head trauma from when I was an infant ah. um, where I had a near death experience and mm. I was five months old and I really organized myself around this wound in so many ways. So physically, but wait a minute, this is five months old and you remember it. I've done, a, I've, I've had a lot of regressed in my uh -huh. own okay. healing journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but so I, from a very, so I, I had that really extreme wounding, um, both in the attachment system because of what was happening in me at that moment, but also physically in my physical yep. body uh -huh. that were experiencing 
having like having very limited experiences of life without pain so living with chronic pain my whole life oh and um and so became really interested in healing modalities from a very young age so i did my breathwork session when i was five and Uh started got initiated into transcendental meditation when i was six and um and was really committed to actually clearing other people's eat also when I, when I was well, wait 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 now now mm-hmm. you were committed to now mm-hmm. this well did i mean you were committed to but you do, you wouldn't keep going around to people and saying oh i see your eeps over there i see i mean you would wait for them to tell you i need eep cleaning or something <laughs> i mean how, how did that work you just can't go around eeping everybody or deceiving everybody when <laughs> When I was six, and I think that this is actually common for children, is I was really kind of disturbed by people not talking about what I know. I know. I know. I hear you. I was the same age. I did the same. You know, and so I, my, you know, my mom's healing practice was actually in our house, and so like literally in the next room next to me, could hear people in their healing process, and I would see the vaporous muck over their heart center is really where I could see it the most yeah. when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them to lay down on the couch and I would, this, this right here, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a crystal uh-huh. that I had since I was very young. Can you young. hold it up again? It's wrapped in something my son ah, made. Okay. okay. That's crystal quartz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, um, and I would take it and I would put it on people's heart center uh-huh. and I would ask, invite them to breathe. And I would feel really dissatisfied when I could see that their Eve was still stuck there. Yeah. And what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I gotta learn how to do that. <laughs> it came full circle when I became a psychotherapist. Yeah. And I remembered that I could see. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's say that psychotherapy, training for psychotherapy in the United States is a university level um, degree. And um, at the end of the cycle, I'm not sure if it's for psychology and I, I know a little more, but it's for psychotherapy, what does it entail? Um, before you can get your degree. At the very end, you have to have some kind of practicum, uh, a certain amount of time that you practice uh, free of charge. It depends depends on the university, but it's a year minimum of an internship. Is that what? Yeah, some form of internship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All universities have some form of internship. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so how many years is the study? Well, it depends, but it, it, it took, it usually takes about three years. Okay. Three, most likely four altogether. Um, okay. So, so now we're, we're back to bringing psychology and spirituality together, integrating psychology uh, and spirituality. Um, is, do, do you find that people who walk like, you know, metaphorically into your door come to you and a lot of these things uh i i imagine uh people come to you from by word of mouth you know clients that tell other people this still works like that in the world thank god um (laughs) but do you find that they are um they have the same mentality or they are uh willing to accept the idea of what I'm trying to say is that they're at a point in their life that they want something more, that they still haven't had a spiritual awakening, but they're ready for some form of spiritual awakening. Do they look to you for that? 
Well, I think because my approach is so much um, in service of deferring to the client, yes. meaning I, I don't see myself in a clinical se- session. I don't see myself as the expert. I see them as the expert. Okay. That this is their work to do. Sure, and I'm really sure. a mirror for yeah, them to sure. see their way back home to themselves. Um, the, and, and by listening, le- like f- when they learn how to listen to their own system, yeah, their own nervous system, to their own energy body, um, and to be with themselves in, in a really loving way from awake awareness, from the part yeah. of them that's already free uh-huh. and expansive. Okay. And mm-hmm. they, they find their way through on their own in, in my presence. Okay. All right. Let, let's, let me give you an example. Okay. Um, a person comes to you and the same one who wanted to be empowered, but didn't want to take on the responsibility. They worked with you. What do, would they work with you on a monthly basis, a weekly basis? Do you see them? I don't know, every week and then a, once a month or you package of six. How does it work? Do It depends on what they need. Actually, it's never set timing. Is, is that? Most, most psychotherapists see people weekly or every other right. week. I right. only see people monthly. I, it's, uh-huh. all I, it's all I have the capacity for. And okay. I, I actually think it's really important for them to discuss time. Their, Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So, so they're coming to you once a month. Now, have um, you ex- just described what the person goes through and it sounded to me as if they, through a high heightened awareness of their situation, their 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 themselves, um, they would be able to do the work on themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm being the devil's advocate here. I'm actually being the devil, and I'm going to say to you, um, but that person after seven months just can't get to the other chair. They cannot do it, you know. And um, does it mean? What does that mean? I'm sure there has been cases. There have been cases. Uh, we don't get 100% uh, perfect rates, people walking out the door all rich or something. But isn't aren't there cases where people just don't make it and you just have to, you know, put your hands up and say, okay, they're not ready yet. Or what is another uh, beneficial phrase to say? Uh, they all come back when they are ready, really. It's just the not being ready. Is there something else, though, that you think is in the way of that going from one chair to the other? That's beyond the type of work that you do. This is what I'm asking. Oh, I see. Potentially. I don't know. Well. I've confused you completely. I'm sorry. You confused confused me a little bit. I mean, so just to back up to the metaphor of the other chair. So Uh the two chair is really in service of integration. Right. Sure. Sure. So in, in, in a session, somebody is, is working towards integration and awareness sure. and autonomy so right. that they have more, more sovereignty of choice, but also to be able to interact in relationships right. in a way that is, is truly connecting where we right. are fully present uh-huh. without self-betrayal strategies or manipulation strategies and, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, but the person, I mean, I would never give up on anybody. So that was part of right. my sure of your, your question. Okay. okay. Somebody was wanted to give up on their journey or their work with me. Is that what you're asking? No, I'm asking if the person to you seem, uh, seems that there's much more going on than what she's 
you know, telling you about or is what what's emerging in the sessions where no matter what she does, no matter how your work with her goes, she's never, she feels stuck or he, mm. I say she, but it doesn't mm. matter, stuck. Mm. Has that ever happened? Well, I mean, I think stuckness or resistance is always valid and always yeah. needs to be met with attention and awareness and love yeah. and be learned from. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I don't, I don't experience a barrier as an actual barrier. I see it as a point of I contact. See. I, see. Point. I see, I see, I see, I see. Interesting, interesting. And have you ever been, inf- I'm, I'm ter- asking terrible questions, I'm sorry, but have you ever been influenced negatively by people you've worked with? Or you, you gain more EPs yourself? I mean, you know, you, it just rub, wears, rubs off. <laughs> You don't have enough of the the cruel quartz around you. (laughs) I think it's a very good question. I think that practitioners tend to acquire clients eat when when the practitioner themselves doesn't stay in their own. They don't. They don't. Yeah. And so. If I remember that everybody has their own source of energy and their own alignment within them, and Mm -hmm. I stay in mine, and I actually synergistically deepen into my alignment Mm -hmm. while I'm working with my clients, then we both leave the session feeling more lit up about life and less Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. I get that. So let's let's go down and um, down. I'm looking on my page. Let's go down my page. And let's talk about um, your first book, Reveal, Embody the True Self Beyond Trauma and Conditioning. What does that talk about? Yeah, so Reveal was a book that um, I... I wrote against my better judgment. My oh, ego. When, what year are we talking about? It was uh, 2018 is when oh, I published recently. it. Uh-huh. years to write it. Um, I had been trying to write a book, which is a line. I've been trying to write it for about 20 years. <laughs> a lie. Yeah. Okay. I, I, my second book, A Line. It's not um, easy. I mean, it's it's not an easy topic. Yeah. No, yeah. books are difficult. Yeah. Write. But I had been trying to write it since I was 20 when I yeah. had first like kundalini rising awakening right. when I was mm-hmm. teaching yoga mm-hmm. um and I um I, I I wasn't mature enough or embodied enough or clear enough to be able to write the book that I really wanted to write and so my my spirit was like we're still writing something and it uh, an acquisitions editor at a publishing house suggested that I make make it into a memoir and I'm very much a hider I would a hider uh, you hide I'm a hider (laughs) I mean and so so my condition pattern is like be accommodating don't show yourself be, be a chameleon and um and so I had been going through this deep transformation and I started writing this memoir. And the only reason I kept writing it is because I knew I didn't have to publish it. I knew ah. like it could just be purely cathartic if I wanted it to. And it took me two years. And by the time I was done with it, um, I still, somebody told me yesterday, I was at a book event yesterday and somebody told me that they had read Reveal and I just wanted to hide again because it's <laughs> so vulnerable. I share so much of my shadow in that book yeah and- yeah 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 you know there's um uh, i've written several books and um, in 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 inevitably you it's hard to get to the end you know to push 
put that, you know, make a period and then just close that book because you're always the next day, the next month, you want to go back. Oh, I, I really made a mess of that chapter. That. And so, you know, they're just, they're like children. They, they're born, they, you know, you cuddle them a little bit, market them, and then they stand on their own. And the next book will be another one. And the next one after that, you have to do that or else, um, you know, your maturity in 10 years, you'll be more mature than you are now, you know? So uh, today I believe that EEPs are a good thing. In 10 years, I will think that I should have never even given it that name, you know? So so it's difficult. So you took it as a memoir. You wrote it as a memoir. Interesting. But Mm -hmm. then um, what made you uh, write the book successively? not as a memoir, this align living and loving from the true self. Um, that's nonfiction, right? Yeah. And that was, when was that published? That was published just December. So three months ago. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so with the same publisher or. I had decided to self-publish reveal uh-huh. because it was a memoir. I didn't even try to, to find a publisher. Uh-huh. I just, honestly it's it's like it's such a vulnerable book that um that i i i hold it close to my heart <laughs> worse than spare by prince harry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, the gift of it though is that i've had readers come to me in tears saying knowing that you went through this yeah. gives me hope that i yeah. can so yeah. the humanity that i experience yeah from the reader is just is so affirming to me Um, i so i started teaching um at naropa about four years ago Uh uh-huh and where is uh, naropa university naropa is in boulder colorado yeah oh it's in boulder Uh uh-huh boulder yeah yeah. um and my students um were just just so encouraging with the way that i teach and the way that i was giving language to concepts that typically aren't spoken about in clinical yeah. spaces and yeah. um, they were so excited to and to see me as a mentor Good. which was something nice. that i had always longed for Good. and so through their questions and through over 15 years as a psychotherapist and mm-hmm. a lifetime of being in the healing world mm-hmm. with my family um and as a gestalt clinician mm-hmm. align living and loving from the true self emerged really quickly it was it was like 20 plus years in the making but once i i sat down to write it it legitimately only took me three days and it's a uh-huh. 350 page book it's three it's, sorry how how long 350 pages the the reveal uh-huh. no align, align oh align 350 okay you had the experience of the first uh, go mm-hmm. at writing. So did you self-publish this as well? No, Mantra Books, um, who's a publisher in the UK, uh-huh. published it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, so we have these two books and, and they're available. You will find them. Um, so what's where do we go next? Harmony. In Italian, we have a saying, you know, a, a little, um, I have a dream in the drawer what's the dream in you know hidden away what's coming next a movie (laughs) i love that i i'm actually right now um i'm publishing um cards like alignment cards self-healing alignment cards Ah, oracle cards yeah i'm I'm really excited about how many a deck of how many cards there's 54 Uh uh-huh and each one what are they called 
they're called self-healing alignment cards. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, they each card has a teaching piece of wisdom and then a uh-huh. sentence to, them to support you in, in like in feel, feeling into the wisdom and, and seeing how it resonates with you or if you would change mm-hmm. anything. Interesting. interesting. For you. Very interesting. Very interesting. The, um, the, the, the voyage from healing science and healing you know uh, coming around for full circle and bringing in the spirituality with the psychology and you know it's always wonderful to be able to talk to somebody who says gestalt you know (laughs) who has some kind of other theory stuck in there you know and i like it i like it well it was a pleasure, really, Harmony, to talk to you. It was really, really a pleasure. I know you're far away from me. There's eight hours, right? There's an eight-hour difference I mentioned, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. But uh, I saw that the the there was no lag, which is wonderful. And so I would really like to have you back when you have a third book out there. Mm-hmm. Contact That's me. Cool. Let me know. Not the yes. cards. Not the cards. I want the... Well, we could do the cards as well. But, you know, another book would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And you, you, um, it was a pleasure to talk to you, Harmony. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the fun conversation. <laughs> bye bye.